You're listening to an Art Gallery of Ontario podcast. AGO Talks are recorded live in the gallery and feature artists, writers, and curators exploring how art shapes and inspires us. Please visit us online at ago.net slash talks. Good evening and welcome. My name is Gillian McIntyre and I coordinate the adult programs here at the AGO. And I am thrilled tonight to be welcoming Professor Benjamin Harshav into the, into the Jackman Hall to give us a talk. I was up in Chagall today and I was just thinking of all the questions I wanted to ask him. Um, we are presenting tonight in partnership with the Centre for Jewish Studies at University of Toronto, which is an exciting development for us. And I would like to invite Professor Jeffrey Kopstein to come and say a few words before we start. Good evening, everybody. Thank you very much, Jillian, uh, for those nice words. And it, it is really a, a, a true pleasure to uh, collaborate with the Art Gallery of Ontario. The Center for Jewish Studies at the University of Toronto will make a very, very small plug for it. You should look on, on uh, the internet and see our events. All our events are free and open to the public. And so this is um, really a re really wonderful, auspicious occasion to be welcoming Professor Harshav here. Um, before I turn the floor over to Anna Sternschus, who will formally introduce Professor Harshav, I'd like to thank the organizers tonight, Gillian McIntyre, who you just saw, um, uh, Emily Springay from the Center for Jewish Studies, Saul Goldberg from the Center for Jewish Studies, and Galina Weissman from the Center for Jewish Studies. So really, uh, thank you to all of them. These things are, are harder to pull off than they seem. Um, so, without any further ado, I'd like to um, um, welcome um, Professor Anna Sternschus, who's the Alan Malka Green Professor of Yiddish Studies at the University of Toronto, a terrific colleague and also an expert on Yiddish culture herself, um, has a terrific book called um, Soviet and Kosher, about the history of Yiddish during the, the first 20 years of the Soviet Union. It's really probably the definitive statement on the subject. Um, so, without any further ado, Anna Sternschus. Um, hi, good evening. Um, it's a great pleasure and honor to introduce the speak, our speaker for tonight, Professor Benjamin Harshaw, who is the Professor Emeritus of Comparative Literature, uh, Jacob and Hilda Blostin, Professor Emeritus of Hebrew Language and Literature at Yale University, and Leslie and Shire, Porter, Professor Emeritus of Poetics and Comparative Literature in, at Tel Aviv University. Now, in writing the introduction, uh, in addition to Jeff's very stern instructions to keep it short, I couldn't decide whether to start with Professor Harshaw's uh, uh, truly outstanding scholarship or with his nothing short of remarkable life story. He was born in Vilna, which was one of the Vilnius, and uh, his family fled the, uh, during World War II to the Urals in the Soviet Union, where he finished Soviet high school in 1945 and even studied mathematics and physics at Chkalov University in Urals. In 1946, he joined the Zionist Socialist Youth Movement in Poland, then studied in Germany, and then participated in the Israeli independence war in 1948. He holds graduate degrees uh, from both Hebrew University in Jerusalem and Yale University. He speaks and translates from and into Hebrew, English, Russian, German, Yiddish, French, and Polish. As a student, he co-founded the journal Likrat, which launched a new direction in Hebrew poetry. 
1966, with a group of former students, he founded the Department of Poetics and Comparative Literature at Tel Aviv University and chaired it until 1971. At the same time, he founded the first Hebrew academic journal for the science of literature called Hasifrut, which he also edited for many years. In 1975, he founded the Porter Institute for Poetics and Semiotics. After retiring in 1987, he joined the faculty of Yale University. And as he told me, he wrote more books being, uh, after that happened uh, than before. Now, he's the author of over 20 books and 95 articles and essays in Hebrew and English. Professor Harshavs is world's leading authority in Jewish literature and culture. A winner of two numerous to list here prizes and awards, in 2005, Professor Harshaf was awarded the Emet Prize, which is the highest Israeli prize for lifetime achievement bestowed by Israeli Prime Minister. Harshaf received the prize for his unique position in shaping the study of literature in Israel in the past 45 years in dialogue with international scholarship for founding a school of literary theory and for his important studies in the theory of the literary text and Jewish culture and also for his contribution to Hebrew literature itself, notably in poetry translations. The last but not the least, of course, he is also the world's leading scholar, international authority on Marc Chagall. Just in a few recent years, he wrote five books on Marc Chagall, all of which defined the sociocultural approach to studying the masterpieces by this artist. One of his recent books, on Chagall, which is a over 1,000 pages monographed entitled Mark Chagall and His Times, uh, a documentary narrative, was published by Stanford University Press in 2003. And uh, for, for this book, he received the Coret Prize for the best Jewish book in 2004. Um, in addition to all other books he wrote which, uh, on Chagall, which I will not list. So uh, please welcome uh, Professor Benjamin Harshaf today, who will speak on Mark Chagall and His Times. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, the problem is this, uh, our guest, Ms. McIntyre, <laughs> uh, mentioned I wrote five books on Chagall with a lot of material, so you'll have to look for supplements to my talk today uh, in the books. That's all I can say. I cannot even list uh, the things. Uh, 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 Hitler decided that I should be a comparatist, so he took me by the hair and dropped me in various places, and I picked up the languages of those places. No, I'm fine. Okay. I, I, I take care of it. Chagall... Uh, played the naive, infantile, primitive, naive person. Nothing of the sort. Everything was very calculated. He himself called himself inconsciemment conscient. That is, unconsciously conscious. That is, he doesn't know, he doesn't write a philosophy of his art, but with intuition, he, in, he is very right. So, but it depends how he explains the same thing. A head is flying in the sky, and beneath we see the body of a woman. So he said, of course, there was an empty place, so I put a head there. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to skip. We will see when we go on. Uh, explaining inter interpretation of paintings is 
complicated if you first study interpretation in literature and you see the complexities for a text to work of art. I started with something very simple. Chagall claimed that all that he knows came from his family. And he built a mythical biography with all details preserved from one painting to another. And you cannot understand the art without relating it to details of his uh, imaginary biography. So uh, that is what happened. I wanted to write a little book on the images of Chagall, and I realized that I cannot write about his art before I write about his uh, life. And to do his life, uh, I had to find uh, documents for his life. Uh, and I found several thousand uh, letters from and to Chagall. Why did nobody know about it? Because most of them were in Yiddish. That was Chagall's language. He played the role of, uh, you know, uh, cosmopolitan and, and uh, naive, but actually what he knew is what he called my mommy's uh, Yiddish. That is mama's Yiddish. Why did he say? Because when he, uh, when he talked to, uh, when he wrote letters actually to Yiddish writers, he had to apologize that his Yiddish is primitive. In any case, there is a very strong question of transplanting one culture into another culture. I, I will start immediately without making introduction further. This is, a, he made drawings of his biography, of the imagined biography. Uh, this is his mother looking for her father, for grandfather. Where is he, where is he? The whole family is agitated, they cannot find him. Oh, it was a nice Sunday, a summer day, uh, and he sat on the roof and ate tzimes. <laughs> tzimes is a sweet uh, carrot to uh, specialized by the Jews. You see, this seems to be true. The, however, when he, when he makes paintings or drawings of his real uh, parental home, they are much more complex. This is actually a representation, a symbolic representation of what a house means. A house means a door and a grandmother and three windows and then the man eating the stew. Go, go, go on. Go on. That is uh, in 1922 or so. Do you have the button? Can I get? Oh, in, after World War II, he took the same picture, you see, and he embedded it in the painter who does the picture. Blue is a, is, is a dream color. That is, and he describes the event. He says, it happened. My father sat on the roof and ate Timus. But at least it was a nice picture. That is, whether it was true or not, we don't know. He first says it was true, and then... So he says, at least it was a nice picture. So you can here see, in the most simple way, the transition of the blue. You see, it's a blue pyjamas. It's not, not fully blue. But the transition of reality and, and the, the dream world. Go on. This is called 
the dead or the street. I'll explain why the dead or the street. Uh, this is nominally his first Chagallian picture, which he painted in 1908, and uh, again built on a Yiddish uh, subtext. In Yiddish, the uh, word for an empty street, a dark empty street, is a toite gas, a dead, lang- a dead street. Therefore, they didn't understand it, so they called it either street or dead. But how do you do in images dead? So he makes a dead on the floor, if you can see, and six candles around it. And the, the woman escapes the events, death, and here you will see later a drawing. She, you see she's escaping, and she's so strongly moving the house that the, tip of the flower pots fall to the floor. You, you, you see it in a moment. Now, on the left, you see the first fiddler on the roof in 1908. This is it's like a Magret picture. This is dark. This, the skirt is a little too white. It's very hard to get the proper colors with old paintings. So, so you see the sky is lyrical and Frost, the art critic at that time, had a very lyrical description of it. The proportions are crazy. All, all this is is a stage, a stage of life and death, as we will see in the drawing. So what, what is, do I have a pointer? Okay, sorry. Yeah, forgive me a moment. What do I do? You see, I was born. It's all right, it's here. Okay. Yes, no problem. Okay. Now, okay, the fiddler on the roof. Why a fiddler on the roof? You know what, I'll tell you a little later with another painting. But what is this? What is this, a boot? So the story is, it's an anecdote in Yiddish folklore, uh, that a man uh, went by train to another shtetl and got off the train and he's, he lost the sole of his foot. So he couldn't step, he looked around, he saw uh, a boot displayed. That means that's a cobbler, a shoemaker. But the story is is even more complicated. The man sees the shoemaker, he walks in and says, can you repair my shoes? I, how do I know how to repair shoes? So why do you have it exhibited? He said, I am a moral, I'm uh, <laughs> what do you call it? A ritual circumciser. <laughs> so why did, you, why did you show a boot? He said, what else can I show? <laughs> and, okay, go, go. 
I cannot stop to laugh, so forgive me. <laughs> Can you move? Can you move? Yeah. You see, this is a drawing uh, for that picture. So you can see the things are more explicit. And this huge man, people are higher than the houses. This is the reality that plays no role for him. A more important figure will be larger on the painting. Go on. Oh. At the same time, when he made that death, he made another death. And this is called the procession, but it doesn't matter. As you can see, it's all very dark. Those are still symbolist colors in painting. As you can see here, uh, there is a procession. There is, you cannot see it from here, but there is a little, here, the little f figure of a coffin that is a, a, a young child died, and they are all bent from grief. But then, they are bent from grief, but here, a woman throws the spills of overnight. They didn't have restrooms properly, so she spills it on the head of this man. From the third floor, you will see the garbage on his head. And then, aha, we are not done yet. There is here a circus. Here is a clown standing on his head. A clown. Here, the reproduction is there, but here a clown you can see. Uh, he enjoys himself. This, this is a, a Luna Park. And this is Chagall, happy with his painting. How do I know? Everywhere where he is happy about an achievement, he, br he brings with him the umbrella. Uh, why umbrella? Because in Yiddish, uh, umbrella is a shirem, but uh, God's of a shirem is may God uh, protect us. So, so may God umbrella us if you want. Uh, okay, go, go on. Now, this is called the procession. Uh, Chagall went, I, I, did, I skipped his biography for the time being. Chagall uh, went to uh, St. Petersburg, a, a city forbidden for Jews, but he got protection and, and he did it. Uh, and he got there uh, in St. Petersburg. And in St. Petersburg, he saw a play by Leonid Andreev, a Russian symbolist playwright, who wrote a play, The Story of Men. Men with a capital M is a, a symbolic, allegorical figure. And there are no private names in that play, but the stations of human life. It starts with death and then retrospect. Birth, wedding, birth, love, wedding, love, birth, uh, uh, death again. Five stages. So here you have one, this wedding. And that was actually done from a wedding by uh, his sister. Uh, go, go on, it's a pity, but here is another wedding. You have here the water carrier. You see the water carrier, if the buckets are full, you will bring a fruitful uh, family. That is, uh, she will uh, have many children. Uh, and uh, then you have, look at the colors. The colors are entirely 
uh, New York 1960s because nobody did uh, geometrical figures, blue, red. Did you go to, an, to a Russian village? They have no color at all, maximum gray. <laughs> but here, of course, red is the rich man with a big belly. And, and look at the floor. The floor is Shakespeare. The world is a stage. You can see it's a rotating stage. And it's already in the language of, of minimalism in New York, with one exception. The minimalist did only the lumps of color, and he couldn't put color without giving some reality to it. Okay, go on. Ah, wait, 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 wait one second. Those of you who know Russian will see that the name of uh, the store, his mother, you see, his mother is inviting the whole procession to her little store, that is Shagal's mother, and the little store has three stairs. This is the store, and this is the gate of, of their house. And in Russian, you say Lavka with a V, and he wrote it with an F, Lavka. As his mom, mama would pronounce it, who didn't know, uh, he was illiterate. Okay, go on. I'm sorry we skip things. This is called birth. Uh, after wedding comes birth, right? Uh, this he painted in his, he sublet a room from a man who, sub, who, uh, who sublet uh, from uh, the boss of uh, Sarah's father, complicated story in any case. It was a double sublet or re reversal sublet. And he came into the room and he saw a woman naked. So he said, Fay, she said, the mama said, Fay, at least cover the belly. So he covered the belly. And, and then it even more points to the area that you cannot say. The mother couldn't afford to say something more than uh, belly, cover the belly. He, he, of course, used the opportunity that it covered the belly, you uncover something else. <laughs> So, and, and, the, and, and this is the, uh, what do you call it? Midwife. A midwife. This is the midwife, always red. That's when you read the biography, you will see why always red. But look at this. Under the bed, there is a Jew with a beard uh, who escapes. Chagall himself had two children, and every time he had a child, he escaped. He fled to another city. <laughs> and the religious Jews, of course, with uh, beards and heads, uh, explain the mystery of birth. And this gesture is, is uh, uh, an argument, a Talmudic argument, you see, but this way. <laughs> so it, it, it's an exercise. And of course, the. Uh, yeah. This looks like a chupa, like a wedding uh, canopy, which you don't do when you have a child. In any case, you see the father here. The, uh, okay, it's very hard to make good slides from this. Uh, okay, go on. Oh, that's something. That, that is Chagall? Yes, that is Chagall. Amazing. Chagall was a deliberate, uh, demonstrative eclectic. 
He didn't mind to mix styles. On the contrary, the theories of histories of modern art are histories of unique styles. Picasso, we know what Picasso is. No, we don't know, because Picasso could do some cubist thing and the next day do some neoclassical thing. But at least we define cubism by, by the geometrical figures. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, let, let me skip a moment. This is called Adam and Eve. Uh, here he has, here he has the names of the four avant-gardist uh, artists, painters. Uh, for those who know Guillaume Apollinaire, Canudo, uh, Blaise Sandrard, those are important uh, avant-garde painters in Paris. And he came to Paris. He was a poor Russian Jew without a penny. Uh, where 30,000 painters lived at the same time in Paris. And he, in a few months, he reached the highest level of avant-garde and revolutionary art. And we will see here further things. You see, there is a quarrel here between the various powers of, uh, that organize the painting. The best start could be here. You see, this we know is a pelvis, if you want. And it starts like a part of a human body, and it goes on to be a geometrical figure. So it, it has the ambivalence of uh, geometry and realism. This is his hand covering up the genitals, which of course calls more attention to what it covered up. <laughs> you have, uh, and, and here, he was friends with uh, Robert and Sonia Delaunay. Why? Because he didn't know a word French. Sonia Delaunay was a Jew from Russia. Sonia Turk was her first name. And she was an interesting artist in her own right. And the two Delaunays made a, a, a geometrical, mostly uh, geometrical figures, mostly uh, round uh, circles. So you see the circles, and then they break up. This is not Delaunay. Delaunay learned from, from Chagall. This is very clear. Simply look at the dates. But this is not Delaunay. He cannot afford to have a straightforward circle. He wants a circle, he makes a potato. And, and here you can, okay, you can see, uh, this is Adam and Eve. And look, Adam and Eve merge. That is a different story from the re regular biblical story. Uh, but you have here uh, a, a merger of the two stories. There is two bodies, Adam and Eve, grow from one sexual basis. That is, she is made from Adam's ribs as much as Adam is made from her ribs. Uh, okay, now then you have here uh, this. We, I think we will have to see the details. But a, wait a second. Uh, those are dates. So you have 9, 10, 11. So th those are, th those, this is a clock. This is. Uh, go on to the next one. I have a few details. For, uh, I'll explain what we come back later. 
Oh, you see, this is Eve screaming. The, the, the existential pain of being born. And a, a critic of Masaccio, who is in the Renaissance, a young artist who was very influential in the Renaissance, but Masaccio did exactly the same colors and the same scream in her mouth. And the critic, recent critic of Masaccio wrote that uh, this is the loudest scream in the history of painting. So Chagall imitated the same scream. Now, I don't know, can you see the letters here? The letters, he, he sign, has to sign something. Go on, maybe we have a de detail in the next. Yes, you see? Those letters, look what it does. First he says Chagall in French. Then he says Chagall, ch, g, l, only consonants as in Hebrew. So French letters, but the Hebrew order of consonants. Then you have a mixture of French and Jewish letters. Here you have, for example, Chagall, I talked already. Oh, look, ma M in French, Aleph, topsy-turvy in Hebrew, R in Yiddish with the vocalization, and C again French. So nothing is in the same, on the same level or of the same series. Everything is whimsically distorted. And it's very clear that he is ambivalent about his double culture, French and, and Jewish. Go, go, go on. Oh, here it is even more clearer. You see, first he has Chagall as he would sign documents. Then he has Chagall for himself when he is a Hebrew on the consonants. And then Mark, you see, even with the two dots here, for those who know Hebrew letters. You see the Aleph, the Hebrew, and this is in Mark in the French. Okay, go on. Oh, this is Masaccio from the Renaissance. Nobody of the critics of Chagall saw or pointed out that Masaccio has a very similar thing, which is called expansion from paradise. And you see, but he does one trick. He merges both legs of the two protagonists. You see the suffering from being, from the expulsion from paradise. Go on. Yeah, well, go on. Ah, those are other attempts at Adam and Eve. This is, you see, from one source come two bodies. But this is in the style of the Russian Lu book. Look how more interesting, more challenging is the previous painting that we had. So he took this tradition of Lubok, of the folk narratives, and, and made it only one style. The big painting, Topolinaire, uses several contradictory styles. Go on. Uh, this he did a la Picasso. This is Adam and Eve. I challenge you to figure out which is Adam and which is Eve. But he shows that he can. You are telling me cubism? I can cubism. <laughs> uh, ah, sorry, you have to push. I make it abbreviated. You can read in the books. Look. Now, 
you have very obvious, this is a very famous painting, I, I and the Village. Uh, you see the, how the important figure, this is Chagall, and this is a cow, and he uh, is in love with that cow, nature. He loves nature. And th therefore, his face, you see, mirrors the uh, cow, and there are uh, strings of beads. Here you can see. He brings an offering to his lover, the cow, and the offering is mixed flowers with synagogue ornaments of grapes. Now, uh, in the cow, you can see the future. She is milking the, the, uh, the calf still. Now, you, look, you have one power that dominates here is the geometrical power, circles or straight lines. Another power is the story, a realistic story. This is very typical for those of the Russian culture. Uh, this is the, the peasant coming back at the end of an entire day coming back from the fields and, uh, and coming back. And if you see in a straight line, it comes to his eye. Uh, there, there is a woman who invites the peasant to her home, obviously physical love. And uh, here there are the buildings of the village. And these are somehow topsy-turvy, some st st stand on their head and so on. So you have realism, you have geometrical figures, and you have color that dominates in certain areas. This is blue, this is red, and the red spills over in, into an unrealistic space, except that you see here the small uh, moon and the large moon. This is the large moon, right? Okay. No, wait, the main, main thing is here. Uh, I'm afraid that they didn't, they, they were too polite. <laughs> the, the point is that he has a, a cross hanging on his, wait, here, here the cross should be. He has a cross on, on his, uh, here. He has a cross hanging on his neck and here is a finger here is, on the finger is a Star of David. So I read it, here is the world, this is nature, this is real life, uh, and uh, he wants to accept that culture. That culture is Christian. So if he accepts that culture, he nevertheless shows the little finger with the Star of David. Uh, this, this is the ambivalence. You can say the opposite that he shows the Star of David, but suppresses it by the culture, by, by the Christian culture. He wrote poetry in Russian, in which he hangs on the cross, Chagall himself, uh, as, as, as a brother of Jesus. He was very ambivalent about everything, the language, the style of art, uh, uh, rationality and uh, nature, and so on. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry I have to abbreviate. I can only say, because I want to do more other things, I can only say, look in the book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give, me, give me another.
Can you move forward? Yeah. I don't like this. Let me sit down. What are you doing? No, I want to be here. Yes. Now this is called self-portrait with seven fingers. A very well-known painting. You have the seven fingers. Uh, why seven? It's a magical figure in the Bible. And he also, Kandinsky was also a Russian painter in Munich, uh, spoke about colors as music. Uh, you see a keyboard here. A piano, actually. Uh, okay. And then, on top, you have... I, I'm sorry, they abbreviated here the size of the paintings. You see a cubicized painter, this is Chagall. And you see, on top, two centers. Uh, you, you have to believe me, because I cannot show it in detail. Uh, two centers. Here it says, in Yiddish, in a cloud, there is a, a church, and it says in Yiddish, Russia. That is a nationalistic way of saying Russia. Russia, and here it says uh, Paris, in Yiddish letters, Paris. And here is a little Chagall hanging on a parachute with his uh, umbrella and descending on, the, on Paris, on the Eiffel Tower. Go, go on. What is it? I went further. Oh. I mentioned this before. You will see why this one. Here is the... Here is the cow. The cow was in the head of the, of the cow in the first painting. And here, uh, this is an enhanced cow, a mother cow. And you can see here three uh, little wolves being born. The, the ideology was Russia is the third Rome. There was Rome, there was Byzantine, and, and, and uh, there was Moscow. And Russia, is, this is the mother Russia, and this is Romulus and Remulus, of course, sucking from her. And they, where do they stand? On the roof. And, and this is, uh, the, the, the memory of, of, uh, of, of Russia as the third Rome, and she is his mother. The, or the beloved, we don't know exactly. How do, do you make a beautiful woman? You show, the, you say that she is beautiful. As you said, this is death. How, he doesn't paint a beautiful woman's body, but makes peacock eyes. Do you know those eyes on the tail of the peacock? 
and uh, is, is, is saying beauty, 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 beauty. He announces that she's beautiful. He doesn't show that. And, and this is, uh, in, in his time, there were friends of Shagat, Laryonov and Goncharova, and they invented a school called uh, the Rayonists, that life on Earth is influenced by cosmic rays. Cosmic rays, but, so Shagal does show a ray, you see, but it shows it in a day of eclipse. There was an eclipse of the sun in 1912. So it's not a ray of light, but an oxymoron, a ray of darkness. And, and she is so baffled by this dark ray from the skies that her uh, head flies off in wonderment. So why did he do this? Because they invited him to an exhibition in Moscow called uh, the, uh, the, the Donkey's Tale. Donkey's Tale. So he made a, a, an avant-garde painting, but, and, and it is called To the Donkey, to Russia, and to all others. So what, what is to means a message. The avant-garde didn't expect this. This is magical avant-garde. This is not geometrical avant-garde. He used the techniques of the time to uh, bring another, a more humanistic message. And you, you see, this is Romulus and Remulus, and this is the blue church that he has in many of his paintings. Ah, the, the uh, roof. I will say it here. Uh, in Yiddish, there is a proverb, Mishugena Mishugena means crazy man gets off the roof. That means the man is crazy if he's on the roof. Therefore, we have a man on the roof. And crazy is not crazy at all. Crazy means idiosyncratic, creative, wonderful. And that comes from the Bible in Hosea. Uh, crazy is the man of spirit, the spiritual man. That is, crazy is a, an ideal, creative uh, concept. And therefore, uh, in, in the painting that we saw before, when grandfather sits with the fiddle on the roof, he's crazy means he's a, a, a creative. He's a prophetic, uh, poetic figure. And, and you have a lot of cows on the roof, and that is, uh, that is another Yiddish song, is gefloigna kuibernda. A cow flew over the roof uh, and broke her, forgive me, prick, <laughs> the cow. So it's totally absurd, of course, but he's identifying not with human beings, but with those imaginative figures. People ask, why does he have churches and a lot of Christian motifs? Because the, most, the biggest and the most important uh, things that you see in a small town are the churches, because a synagogue is forbidden to be as high as a church, and therefore the Jew sits on top of it. Okay, can we go on? Yeah. You see, this is 
a painter that he liked a lot personally, André de Rennes, uh, had trees. If you look at his trees, you will see that they have uh, a piece of red, a piece of yellow, a piece of green, entirely irrational. Uh, you cannot say that the, the red is a forest, for example, so why is it suddenly white and suddenly green? So this is clearly influenced by uh, French colorists. And, but what happened? Uh, his wife stayed in Russia for four years. Not his wife, she was still then his uh, fiancée. Uh, so she writes that, he writes in his diary that uh, she, she couldn't, he couldn't go back because for four years uh, he didn't go back to Russia. Uh, how do we know? Because the train here, the train turned upside down. So since then, we cannot go back to Paris to, to Russia. And you have the Frenchman who, you see, faces other upside down. And of course, here, the triumphant, uh, there were no, no uh, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, no, no. Matzneach, uh, how do you say it? Satsanchanim. Parachutes. Parachutes. I don't think there were parachutes. The first mass parachutes were after the Russian Revolution. But he, his victory, he merged the two cultures in one painting. And this, if you know Russian, in dealing world, is Koshka, that is kitten. His, his wife is waiting, his fiancée, sorry, is waiting for him, and she is, looks like a generous figure. She has two faces. Why? Go to the next painting. Ah, okay, that's another one, but never mind. Uh, this is a painting. His relation with his fiancée is a pure invention. They announced to the world that their fiancés only at the day that he was leaving Russia and disappeared in leaving uh, uh, Russia and disappeared in the World War. In any case, this is, you can see, to my fiancé, this is he in, in a portmanteau picture where an animal and a human being overlap. And, and you can see how he's surrounded by this luxury of women's hands and legs, and we don't know which is which. Okay, go on. This is all better reproduced in my book, uh, uh, Marc Chagall, and the, what is it called? The Lost and the Lost Jewish World. Okay, now here you have, again, she is happy with their marriage, or before marriage, with, the, with their love affair. And she's so happy that she flies in the sky. Okay, go on. And now you can see his wife, Bella, whose name was Basia, whose name was changed to Berta, because that sounds more intelligent in Russian. <laughs> and in, when they came to Paris, of course, she couldn't be Berta, so she became Bella. But look, where is my hero? Uh, 
here. He sits here, and either the little daughter near, near him and look at the towering figure of Bella <laughs> that dominates this world. Okay, go on. Ah, wait a second. This is, uh, he went with his teacher, Penn, went out to the outskirts of Vitebsk, and, and uh, there were lots of fences which he describes. Here there are fences, and this is a romantic picture. However, where did they have a figure here? Huh? Oh, here, here, here. You know what that is? They didn't have an outhouse, so the children didn't know what to do. At night, they would go to the fence and hide under the fence and defecate. And he had, in many important paintings, thematically important, romantic paintings, he had this spoiler child who, who does what he does <laughs> against the background of Chagall's fences. And, and there's a little goat that gives, gives milk for the family. Go on further. Yeah, you see? This, again, the elation of love. They fly in the sky. I'm trying to go on. Oh. Huh. You see, I'm sorry, I didn't know that it deteriorated. This is called Cubist Landscape. Chagall became the head of a college for art in Vitebsk that he founded himself. And the, on photographs of that school, you can see uh, this building. But he calls it Cubist landscape. That is okay, you want to play Cubism, I can also play Cubism. Uh, this is the wood that Brack would use, paper that imitates wood. Uh, but, okay, all this is geometry. But look at me, little Chagall with the umbrella, walking happily to his school school, you can see it here. And here on the side, I don't know what you can see here, uh, here on the side, you have in every language his full name. Four years in Yiddish with Hebrew letters. Four years in Russian with Russian letters. Seven years in, in Paris with French letters. That is, everything is recorded and the difference between making a photo of it and writing about, about it, as in the uh, eyes of the peacock, for example. But here it is with letter, with letters. That, that, that difference doesn't exist for him. The boundaries of imagery, lately in the last few years, uh, history, historians of art are intrigued by the role of words in painting. That is, seems to be a contradiction. Nonsense, Chagall did it how much earlier. This is 1919. Uh, with, with use of words that explain what it is. Okay, go on. I'm sorry I have to hurry, but that's it. You can see here. Uh, I, frankly, am a little puzzled by this figure. But otherwise, you can see, you see, I can do cubism, but is it interesting? <laughs> okay, go on. 
Oh. This is called the Rider Jew. And there is a text here about going to exile from the Bible. This is the eternal Jew. He is long dead, as you can see the fingers of the hands, for example. But the text is about Triatamitim, about uh, the resurrection of the dead. And, and, uh, and the village is not like Israelistic villages, but it is, uh, how should I say, it is a symbolic village. It is a Sholom Aleichem village. In Sholom Aleichem there is a story about a shtetl that has no streets. Why do we need streets? We know who lives where. <laughs> and it's all like a pyramid. And indeed, this is a pyramid. It's not the realistic shtetl that he knew, but the eternal Jew. Uh, you see, he attempts to live, and, and he is about to live. How did he do it? He, he was influenced in 1914, 15, when Russia was losing the war with Germany, the World War I. Uh, Nikolai Nikolaevich, the uh, commander of the Russian army, was uh, the uncle of, of the Tsar, uh, Nikolai II. And uh, the order was that all Jews must leave their towns within 24 hours or they will be shot. Because they are suspect they speak Yiddish, maybe that is like German, and maybe they spy from Germany. So Vitebs was flooded with refugees, and and uh, and he paints the refugee, but as a symbolic figure rather than as an individual. Okay, go on. Uh, and this is called uh, the gates of a cemetery. I don't want to go into details. I will only say that it, it has the dates in Hebrew, for example, what was that? Here. You need a book to see that. Tzafresh Nun is, is uh, in any case, that cannot be dates of a person, but they are the dates of, of his grandfather, who lived for 73 years. And he took the words from the grave of the grandfather onto the uh, synagogue, onto the, sorry, onto, the, onto the gates of the cemetery. And uh, you can read the, the details, but what is this? This is a Zionist statement. Nobody pointed out that Chagall was influenced by communism and was influenced by Zionism. And it says 1917. 1917 was the Russian Revolution, but it was also the Balfour Declaration that promised a state for the Jews. And, and Chagall was interested in that. That was evaporated after the revolution. Go, go on. Okay, go on. This is self-evident. I don't want to spend time on it. Go on. Ah, this is uh, the uh, the title here is 
a peasant, peasant eating. But what kind of peasant is it? It says kasher. That is, why <laughs> a peasant? Because in Yiddish, a peasant means an illiterate person. It doesn't mean a peasant. It, it, and and he clearly, he eats with a, something on his head, and, and the Hebrew word kasher. No critics saw this or wanted to see this. Okay, go on. Uh, okay, go on. That's an interesting thing. Wait, here, wait a moment. He wrote, he made a series of paintings uh, from a poem by David Hofstein, who was a great Yiddish poet after the revolution. And uh, here he is. Uh, look, this is called the village goes. The village goes could be uh, she walks. No, the village goes means all the Jews in the village leave the village, are going in exile. And here, so you can see that this is a person lying back, smoking a pipe, or you can see this as a series of houses in the village. With, with the scream that that man, the villager, screams, was definitely the kind of Why do I need the lucidity, the, the clear lucidity? What is lucidity? Because there are pogroms. What is rational here? They, 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 it's impossible to understand, to explain, unless it's the irrationality of psychoanalysis. So you have here, as, as understood in those years, so you have here the genitals, you can see. When it was published as a book, this was cut out. <laughs> but in Soviet, you cannot, you cannot have such coarse things. But he, but he asked, what, what is it? Who needs lucidity? Who needs to understand? We want to live. Okay, go on. Ah, that's what we saw before. Oh, and this is exile. This is 1915. It's again the time when a million and a half Jews were exiled within 24 hours from their villages, where a lot of refugees fled Egypt. And this he did apparently in 1918 after the revolution. And it says in German, but I have to find it where. It Erinnerung, uh, he said 1914, but it's not, not true. Erinnerung, that is memory. He goes into exile and he takes with him the memory of his house. Okay, go on. Yeah, this is the famous uh, painting. You see the cathedral is over, uh, immense, uh, high above the city of Egypt. But this is the eternal Jew that was condemned by Jesus. He didn't help Jesus in the Via de la Rosa. And he, he couldn't, well, Jesus didn't want to kill him, but he promised him eternal life and eternal suffering, nomadic life, if you want. So this is the Jewish peddler, which has the sack on the bag, which is the symbol of exile. A sack on the back, what for a sack? In a sack you can have 
prayer book, uh, dry bread, uh, some books to sell, uh, some uh, utensils to 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 to, uh, to do tailors' works and so on. But you see, there are two menacing powers in this village: the cathedral and and the wandering Jew. Okay, go on. Yeah, this is. I I bring in the book. Uh, the, a poem by Alexander Bloch, and this is a, especially an image of that poem, uh, with Jesus, with you see, with you see, this is Chagall. Chagall is Jesus. Chagall, the child, is Jesus, and the Antichrist who takes the uh, the letter from the hanging. Okay, you can see the geometric figures all around. Okay, go on. Yeah, well, uh, this is interesting, but go on. <laughs> can you continue? Oh, this is called, this was recently, just a few years ago, there was an exhibition in Nice in the Museum for Chagall an exhibition with this uh, painting uh, on the front page and with the question, is he a surrealist? Yes, of course he was a surrealist, but before the surrealists came. The painting is called Time is a river with no banks. So, of course, he cannot have a river with no banks. How do you know that it's a river? So, he has here the two lovers on the banks, but he has this blue that looks as if it is a second, second level of painting, the transparent blue it was called. And this is the tie-in, as you can see, with uh, grandfather's clock. Time is irrational. There is an alteration here in Yiddish, Fliegel, Feugel, Fisch. Uh, that is with uh, all the letters that start with F. And the fish is flying and playing the violin. Again, music, he was enamored by all arts that are not verbal because he didn't know any language actually. And you can see in the distance the bridge over the Vitebs River. But of course, this is time. Uh, uh, is a river with no banks. Okay, go ahead. Oh, this is already the, the Jewish theater. How am I doing with time? Yeah, I'll try to go fast and stop, okay? Okay. No, I simply abbreviate the description in every painting just to give you an idea what kind of art it was. This is the mural for the Yiddish theater which he did in Moscow in 1920. You see the world is topsy-turvy. A Jew praying stands on his head and, uh, and there are geometrical figures that cut, you see, 
a ray of bluish, yellowish something. And there is uh, Chagall himself uh, peeing, forgive me the expression. <laughs> and and uh, the director, it starts with three figures that made the theater. It's called the introduction to the Jewish theater. So he's serious about it. If so, that's an introduction. And you can see, wait. I don't, okay, I'll, I'll hear it. You see a leg flying away with geometrical figures in it. On this line, with written letters, not printed letters, you have all his family, the names of his sisters and uh, grandfathers, and this, uh, the praying Jew has written, I am a comedian. <laughs> and this is the director, the director, we will see him later, this is only half of the painting, the director Granovsky, one of the interesting directors in Russia in the 20s, uh, is so tired that he sits in a bowl of cold water. That was a way that learned Jewish scholars would study all night. And, and in order not to fall asleep, they would have the water. What happened? The cow, there was a cow you will see later. The cow was turned upside down and there is no paint in the, in the Russian stores in Moscow. There was no paint. So it shows that the cow is colorless. Okay, go on. Oh, this is, imagine this is the left side of the big painting, and what we saw before here is the right side. So you have here, uh, the, the point is, the literary critic, Efros, uh, was also the literary director of the New Yiddish Theater, and he introduced Chagall to Granovsky. So he doesn't say introduced, he says, he brought Chagall, brought, uh, no, Efros brought Chagall to Granovsky. So Efros is here. You, you can see Efros marches to the hymn of, uh, with the le left leg, left leg, left leg, which was also a poem by Mayakovsky. And here, this is his left leg, but it's also parallel to the black, uh, line here. So again, it's a quarrel between color, shape, geometrical figure, and realism. And Granovsky, of course, has here uh, folk element uh, elements, but he's a westernized Jew, so he's a very formal. And the actor, Michals, a famous uh, actor who was killed by Stalin eventually, the actor plays uh, a folk motif that you have to see in detail. And he begs, he begs the cow to come to help him paint in avant-garde style. Why the cow? Because in Jesus, to the first anniversary of the communist revolution, uh, he was director of the art school and he uh, painted a cow, and he, a green cow, and his students multiplied the green cow in the city. And the communist 
authors, the communist uh, committee of the city uh, was baffled. How is Marxist-Leninism related to a green cow? <laughs> For him, the answer was because they don't understand art. <laughs> in, in any case, uh, this is the cow, and you can see, I don't see it from here, you can see a break that, that uh, you can see that it is made of two cartons. So this is the cow that eventually will be uh, uh, emptied of color. Uh, this is Ephraim, the uh, janitor. Ephraim, the janitor, brings Chagall closed himself for 40 days and painted the illustrations. And he painted all the walls and the ceiling and the whole uh, theater. And it was called Chagall's Box because instead of art within a theater that he was asked to do, he makes theater within art. It's a box of paintings. So Ephraim, the janitor, brings milk to Chagall so that he'll survive, but he mixes the milk with water. So you can see here, here the glass milk, you see, mixed with water. And, and this is Bichholz again, the actor, and the, the little vignettes here that you cannot see. You see the dance is unrealistic. And uh, what else? Okay, go on. Oh, you see, this is the whole image. Those are the areas where he didn't have color anymore. You remember it till 1973, 50 years after he painted it. The Russian authorities invited him to the Kremlin, and there was a woman who was Khrushchev's uh, beloved, uh, and uh, she was the Minister of Culture. So, uh, Minister of Culture, so, so she said, why should I invite Chagall? The, the people flee the air, and on top of it, they are Jews. Oh, here it is. Uh, yes, here you can see, the, here, you can see how the cow is cut in two, simply because the cardboard didn't last longer. So to, to the Minister of Culture, uh, who talked to him, he said there were no painters, no paintings anymore. So he couldn't get more paintings. Uh, how do I show it? I show it right in the painting, that there, are no, there is no paint. Okay, you will see various limbs running around, falling down. And this is the klezmer. You know what klezmer is? The Jewish music group. Uh, also, yeah. Okay, go go ahead. You, you can imagine the rest. Ah, this is. I am here. Wait, I am comedian. Ah, and here, there was a real da Costa. Was a play that the Yiddish theater performed. It's a German play by Gutzkopf, uh, and it is a play about Uriel uh, Acosta, who was a Marano in Portugal. Uh, he, is, he accepted Christianity uh, because there was a total, total expulsion of the Jews in Spain and Portugal. Uh, but he went to Amsterdam and converted back to Judaism. 
and then he wrote a treatise on an anti-religious treatise, and the rabbis excommunicated him. And then he committed suicide. So you can see, I don't know whether, yeah. You can see this figure is a man who is half, half Spaniard and half Yiddish theater. And, and uh, there is a revolver and there is a, can you see? There, uh, here is uh, two faces. And so the left is Uriel Acosta shooting with a revolver. It was an early suicide with guns. In any case, he tells us all the stories that he lived through in those days. Okay, go on. I will not stop much. Yeah, you see, Ephros brings Chagall, this is Chagall, to, to Granovsky. So this is called realization of the metaphor. He brings him, okay, so he brings him really physically. Okay, go on. You see, again, this is... Uh, Ephros and Chagall. Yeah, go on. Is, uh, yeah, you see, this is Michols, the actor, asks Chagall, explain to us how do you make art? How do you play? And play in Yiddish as in other languages means both uh, playing a fiddle and playing in a, in a theater. How do you know that he asked him, first of all, he wrote in his biography. <laughs> but secondly, uh, uh, where was I? Play. Ah, play. Th that he shows the fiddle is broken, you see here. The, the strings of the fiddle are broken, so we cannot play. So we asked the cow how to play. <laughs> Go on back again. One more. Okay, never mind. You're going further. You have the same motifs here. Go, go on. Ah, wait, 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 wait. Here you see is a little boy defecating. In a serious painting, but he has to have his little job. Okay, of course, green is a dark green, is an unrealistic color. And. Uh, Okay, go, go on. Yeah, you see, this is an interesting thing. It shows that we already had, uh, that is, the Jews had already geometrical figures. You tell us cubism, here is cubism. That is, the prayer shawl that the Jews have, have has geometrical motifs. And, and here is the little church, and here is the mother sitting in the window looking out what will happen with my son. Okay, go on. Oh, that this is interesting culturally for Jewish specialists. Uh, this is called literature. We had, what are you talking about innovation? We had literature, we had dance, we had music, and, and we have, uh, I don't remember what else, in any case, you see, this is a scribe who specializes in writing the Torah, where you have to be very careful with you, not only with every letter, but with every twist of a letter. 
But what does he write here? He, he writes not the Torah in Hebrew, but he writes in Yiddish once upon a time. <laughs> and, but once upon a time, uh, but behind him stands his cow and screams, Shagal. <laughs> she, she wants to bring back Shagal. Okay, go on. Uh-huh. You see, this is the dance. This is a wedding dance, but go on. I have no time now. Yeah, this is a jester, a wedding jester, who tells body rhymes in a wedding and with various sexual hints. And, but he's half standing on the floor and half uh, on a chair and uh, so on. I can only give you ideas. Go on. You see again the scribe. Ah, this is interesting. You have a, you have a full room of re- crazy but surrealist paintings. Surrealism is still some realism. There are figure, human figures. But what is this? This, when they exit that hall, the, the, the theater was confiscated by a rich Jew who fled from the revolution, and they uh, took the big hall to, and made of it an audience for 90 people. And uh, what is this? And this is called uh, Love on the Stage. This is called Love on the Stage. So where is the stage? First of all, you see, it's so transparent that you cannot see who that is. But there is a man and a woman dancing together, a quadrille, I'm told. And, and uh, what are those geometric figures? Never else. Look, those who know Hebrew letters, Shushin, Sh, G, and the G has a leg here. It has a shoe on his leg. Shugle, that is Elamed, okay? Those are the consonants of his name, Shagal. So he encoded the name Shagal in a dance, and the dance is cosmopolitan. It calls it Love on the Stage. And the poor religious Jews are falling apart, falling down the stage. Okay, go on. Ah, this is on, on the sock. You have the name of the theater, uh, Yiddish Chamber Theater. Okay, go on. Aha. Uh, uh-huh. And this is a celebration of, of a wedding. Uh, a celebration covers the whole ceiling. And, but it's all mixed up. It's not Jewish. It says Koshal Pesach. And in the middle of Koshal, for Passover, you have a uh, challah which is not exactly kosher for Passover. <laughs> okay, and, and yes, and, and his, Lisha Shagal, studying in a Russian gymnasium with a Russian uniform, is served as a fish for the dinner. You, you have the other part here. Okay, go on. I have 10 minutes? Oh, that's good, so I can show another... In his later years, he had many Christian motifs, but they are not really Christian in the sense that Yiddish literature in the 20s uh, adopted all 
historical figures that are central to Christian imagination, they adopted it as Jewish. For example, Jesus Christ is a historical figure, Jesus, uh, Yeshua, uh, and uh, he represents the suffering of the Jews. And there was a Yiddish poet, a major poet, Greenberg, who uh, wrote, why have, are you hanging on all the crossroads of Europe for the last 2,000 years? Brother Yeshua. It is, they took Jesus as a hero of Jewish history. And here you can see what happens. This is Lenin. Chagall writes, Lenin put Russia upside down as I do in my paintings. So here he has him upside down. But, so there is a revolution, right? You think the red flag of communism, the Russian flag, and you think that this is a jubilant painting, but here is the eternal Jew holding a Torah, which we cannot see well. On the left, however, there is a mass of revolutionaries, Jewish revolutionaries, with red flag. And, and of course, uh, yeah, go on. You see the Jew going in, uh, into exile? This is Kristallnacht, if you know, in 1938. The Nazis made, broke glass in synagogues, put synagogues on fire. So you have here synagogues on fire, and this is the suffering Jew, and it says in Hebrew, Inri, that is Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Actually in Aramaic it says. You see here is the Yiddish, the Aramaic description. And this, a lot, of, a lot of historical events. This is typical of the Jesus paintings that he shows Jesus in a, a talis, in a prayer shawl, uh, covering his genitalia, sometimes even bolder than here. And the Jew goes in exile, and those go on boats, and clearly the boats cannot carry them on the Atlantic. And that was a real story uh, that, uh, with a ship that came to the shores of America and Cuba and uh, didn't get any asylum and brought the people back and they perished in the Holocaust, most of them. Okay, go on. Uh -huh. This is again, we saw it before, but you can see that. Oh, this is Uri uh, a poem about my brother Jesus. So he writes the poem in Yiddish in the shape of a concrete poem, in the shape of a cross. Okay? Yeah, go on. This is jubilation. Another figure of Christ. This is, he was very fond of presenting Christ in feminine shape. And, and himself in feminine shape. And there were elements of at least latent uh, homosexualism in, in this, uh, at least softness. You see, the, the belly is whatever. Go on. Ah, you see, Jesus among the revolutionaries with the red flags. Okay, go on. 
yeah, suffering Christ. I, I'm amazed why it's so. This is a reproduction from slides, and it's. Uh, I didn't realize how bad it is. Okay, go on. You see the young revolutionary. Yeah, this is very close. Go back. Okay. It is very similar to Guernica. It brings the light that is of an oil lamp rather than electricity, the animal instinct. Go on. Oh, you see this. He brings the light. Go on. I, I cannot dwell on this. This is the blue shtetl world that disappeared, that is destroyed. Okay? Mother and daughter, again, if you want, it's his biography. His daughter was born. If you want, it is a Christian motif. Uh, mother, mother and daughter. Okay, go on. Yes, this is... This is, it took the theater scene and added to it the shtetl scene and made a carnival of the whole thing. Okay, go on. You see, I mentioned portmanteau before. You have Christ in the form of a Jew, a Jew in the form of a Christ. Uh, Chagall in the form of a, an animal and an animal in the form of Chagall. You see here, he's sad and, and smiling. And, and this is Bella is love. And, and other, go on, and other confluence, uh, confluence of worlds in images. This is called the rainbow. The rainbow is, of course, again an oxymoron because it's all white. The, the bowels are white. Go, go on. Can you continue? Uh, yeah, I really regret that I didn't check the copy. This is called, uh, in short, this is the cow that screams, where is Chagall? And on this, he cannot stand a big surface in one color. So he has the Vendôme Plus in Paris painted on top of it. Okay? What? Stop. <laughs> what happened? You're out of time. I'm out of time. Go, go on. Slow. No, no, I will not. Yes, yes, but go on. Don't fly. Just show and go. This you see. Uh, wait, wait, wait. This is an expressionist group of Yiddish painters. Uh, poets who came to Paris, and Chagall is among them. And here, the Jews conquered Paris, you see? <laughs> okay, go on. Oh, this is the cover of a avant-garde journal in Moscow, but that would interest more people who know the Yiddish spellings. Those are letters, but every letter is in a different style. Okay, go on. Uh, go on. Good.
That was wonderful. Perhaps we could have the house lights up, Adam. Thank you so much. Um, what a wonderful talk. What a wonderful artist. I do have one question. We don't have time for questions because I erred on the side of such wonderful images and so much to say, and I thought it was just better to keep going. I do have curiosity, though, about Chagall's personality. Can you tell me, in, in just in a couple of sentences, I have the feeling I would like him. I want to keep thinking I would like him. Look. What, what manner of man was Chagall? That's complicated. Everything is. <laughs> what kind of man? In what sense? He, he was a liar, and he was, a, and he and he was an honest man. He swore. They made cathedrals from his work, and uh, there was a major cathedral in Mainz in Germany, and uh, it was executed actually when he was uh, when he died already. But he gave the instructions, he gave the painting, and uh, he says, he said to the glassmaker, who was a believing Catholic, he says to him, I will never step on the land of Germany. And he did, he never, never. He went around to, give, to go to build cathedrals or Christian figures to find, but Germany not. So there is a, an internal honesty. What else do you want to know? No, no, that, that, that's, that's good. I, 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 I feel as if I want to know so much more about him, and that's wonderful, and Look. I love the way you're sort of digging into his paintings, and you know, one could just go on forever. So Look, thank so, you so much for coming and doing this. All I, all I can say is, really not to make propaganda, that too probably... But there is a big, big book, Chagall in his times, which is, very, which is about his life. And another big book called Chagall and the Lost Jewish World, which is about his painting. And that was published by Rizzoli, and it's a beautiful book. I'm only telling you there is so much material. Love, the, he invented his love. Uh, with Bella. I don't want to dwell into it without proof, but uh, he, when Bella died, he had a lover for seven years whom he wanted to marry, but she couldn't get a divorce from her husband. She was almost 30 years younger than she got, Virginia, uh, Virginia Haggard, and she was a Protestant. Uh, and the letters that they wrote uh, are extremely interesting. So that was his great love, actually. I and believe. Did she go to school in Toronto at Bishop Strawn? Could it be? Yeah, yeah, what? I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Her father was the... Yeah. I would like to tell you all, before, before we, we applause... Um, tonight, I would like to tell you all about an event we have on December 14th in the Gallery School. Uh, in partnership with the Koffler Center for the Arts, we have an evening of various performers and musicians responding to the exhibition, responding to Chagall. It's going to be wonderful. It's a salon. We'll have a bar. Um, it includes Teresa Tova, who's doing a half-hour extract from the play where she is Bella. 
standing in front of one of these wonderful paintings. So please do. It's on the website. Please do come and join us for that. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this Art Gallery of Ontario podcast. For additional recordings, as well as information on upcoming programming and events, please visit us online at ago.net slash talks.